teachers have been in the news a lot lately. <laughs> right? There's probably been a, a lot of different things on teachers. But uh, did you hear uh, about the teacher who uh, didn't want to pass gas in public? She was a private tutor. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we broke that out because Jordan was holding this weekend, so didn't want him to miss that. I've been holding it, much like the teacher. <laughs> but let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, announcements. Announcements. That's what it is. Um, obviously, as Pastor said, next weekend is ladies' retreat. So uh, the first through the third in Branson. So ladies, don't forget to attend if you've signed up. So make sure you're there. If you still want to sign up, you can. There's some uh, applications in the back, but at this point, you probably just let uh, Lisa know and they'll uh, get it worked out. But you can still attend. And then remember the 31st, uh, be a trunk or treat that we're having. I'm sorry, the 30th, that's Saturday. So um, if you would, just kind of pencil off between 12 and 5 o'clock. And uh, it'll fall somewhere in there. We need to look up. We're trying to get one of the larger bouncy house. we got to make sure what time we can get it rented for. So uh, we'll announce that time for sure here in a couple of weeks. So, But that'll be Saturday the 30th. All right? So I think that's it for announcements. Uh, just uh, we will note that the uh, next week will be 1030 service only. So no Sunday school. Come at 1030. I'm not sure. They're not uh, broadcasting any of the services down there, so we'll see. I'll uh, talk to Jude, and we'll see what's going on down there. If there's something going on down there that I might pull out a phone and I'll broadcast it up here to him, and he can put it up. So we'll see what's going on at that time when you guys are here. But uh, does anybody have anything they need to announce? Nothing? We're all good? All right. Um, As I said last week, uh, we're going to finish up our generosity um, talks here. This morning, we're going to look at a Bible verse in Proverbs uh, 3 and 9 that says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns in wheat with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. Again, that was in Proverbs 3 and 9. So um, today we'll just talk a little bit maybe about how we give. Do we give by reason or do we give by revelation? If you're going to become a person of faith, if you want to grow that faith, then we have to learn to give by revelation, right? The the revelation of God. When you give by reason, obviously you think, this is what I can reasonably reasonably give. If, you know, financially I have this left over, so hey, I can give this much, right? We're giving reasonably. That doesn't actually really even require much faith to give like that. Um, Giving by revelation, though, is when you say, hey, God... What do you want to give through me? You know, you let God tell you what to give, and you may not have it. I mentioned last week I'd share a story, and uh, this is a story from a pastor who, uh, well, I'll just read what he had to say. He says, one of the most dramatic examples of this uh, kind of giving by revelation was when we were raising money uh, building our new church, and it was uh, a church out in California. But he said people were making commitments, and what they were going to do was give over a three-year period. So him and his wife had prayed about it, and each of them had believed they heard God telling us to give an amount that certainly was not reasonable. 
In fact, it was much more than what we could ever afford. But we, we trusted God for that amount. Then God actually challenged me through First uh, Chronicles in 29 to announce my gift like King David did so that it would encourage and challenge our church. He said, I really did not want to for many reasons, including not wanting to appear prideful. But God told me to do it. I wanted him to bless that building, so I did it. I stood in front of the church one Sunday and said, I don't know where the money is coming from, but we have committed to give $100,000 over the next three years. Please pray for me. (laughs) So about a month later, he said it was a Friday before uh, they were doing uh, a special offering on the weekend for that church building. He said, I got a phone call from a publishing company and they said, hey, we want you to write a book. And we've already got the title of the book and we believe it's going to be one of the best sellers and we're going to go ahead and send you an advance of $150,000. So he said, I went and stood in front of my church family just a few days later after that phone call and I told them that story. He said, the place went wild. The church was jumping, shouting, dancing, and singing. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life and I nearly missed it because of my own stubbornness. If I hadn't publicly gone on record to show my trust in God's revelation, the church and I would have missed seeing how God was dependable. It was a lesson that I would never forget. So again, Proverbs 3 and 9, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. In other words, he's going to give you all you need and often much more. So, giving by revelation, not by reason. When you do, you will find God faithful. I think sometimes we use reason way too much when we give, right? When we possibly miss. We miss giving by our revelation because we're reasoning. We reason our way right out of it. If I give money to this person, how do I know what they're going to use it for? If I give money to this person, how do I know... Um, that they're not going to use it for something that I wouldn't approve of. You know, so-and-so said that this person is always just trying to get a handout. So again, we're reasoning. We're going through our head, reasoning. If I go and give this person a ride to the grocery store, then maybe they're going to always expect that ride, and I don't have time to do it every time they need to go. Does this person really need help? Or are they just trying to take me? Are they trying to pull one over on me? That's a big one. I think we really get that in our minds. We reason instead of just listening to God and just giving. You know, we don't want to give that cash because it might get used for something. But maybe God's saying, hey, go go do that. Give them what that. You know, I'm going to give a personal example. One of the reasons I don't like being up here sometimes, God tells you, you got to share your life. I'm kind of like a closed book. I like to keep it that way, but... Uh, I'll give you an example that happened not very long ago. My wife and I both were told um, to give some money um, for a cause. And so we talked, and usually this doesn't happen, but we got right along. It was pretty easy. <laughs> we uh, knew what to give, so we did it. And when that happens before, you give and don't think much of it. But this was just a few days later, and I was out working, and somebody pulled up and said, 
stopped and said, hey, it was someone I knew, I do some work for, and said, hey, I need you to take three big apartment complexes and start taking care of them immediately. And so he said, I'm just going to tell you what they charge. I know you're going to need to charge more. And he left it there and left. He said, just send me what you're going to charge. And I was like, oh, my God, that was quick. <laughs> I immediately thought of that money. And usually I wouldn't do that. I'm like, man, God's already given back. A little bit later that week, another guy pulled up to me and said, I'm going to give you seven properties starting next season. So we'll see if this happens. But I trust God. It probably will. I was like, God, you're just kind of bragging now. Showing off here. What is this? Another seven. But God was just pouring in, you know, and we we didn't give as much as what's going to come back, that's for sure. But uh, um, that's what God does, right? He'll just bless you. He'll take care of you when you listen and when you give. Um, he's a good God, and I know most of you already know that, right? That's why we're here today. But uh, he will give. So I challenge you with a few questions. Um, think about what motivates your giving. Do you give by reason or do you give by the revelation? How has God revealed to you in the past that he want, what he wants you to give? And how are you listening for his revelation today? And the last one, what fears keep you from giving when you are in need? So think about that one. What fears keep you from giving when you are actually in need? What is the fear that keeps you from giving? So if you would, stand. We'll go in and have a time of prayer this morning. Hopefully you've gotten something out of these generosity and faith and um, prayer, little devotions we've been doing. As far as I know, we're done. Unless God has something different planned. But uh, there you go. You can thank God as we go into prayer. At least we're done, done with that. But we'll take some prayer requests this morning. If you have something you want to pray for. Yes, Molly. Let's remember her uh, in prayer, needing the healing. Is there another one? Uh, pray for a ladies' retreat coming up this weekend. All the everything will be taking place. Teachers and speakers traveling. Health. Anything else? Uh, Sister Millie. Okay. All right. Let's remember Tammy. All right. Okay, let's all pray. God, we come to you at this time, Lord God. Knowing that we're just being knowing that you're being silent, God, we're just
Uh, if we could have a couple of ushers come up, uh, we'll receive a, an expense offering here for the church today. So anything you give will go towards that unless you mark it on an envelope and a, or a check. And uh, let's pray once again. God, we thank you again, Lord, for this opportunity to give today and to uh, uh, minister this way, God, through what you provided. We just ask that you uh, bless the offering, God, bless gifts, those that have to give, those that don't, God, we just pray uh, special blessings on each one in your name, amen.
God that does above and beyond anything we could ever ask, seek, or imagine. Amen? All we need is found in Him. All we need is found in Him, and I'm thankful for that this morning.
calls those things that were dead into life. Amen? He is the God that calls those things that are dead into life. He is the one who turns the impossible around. Amen? He turns the impossible around. He is life. He is light. He is hope. And he is our all-powerful, loving God. And there is nothing better than him. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are all of that and more, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And there's nothing better There is a song that is entitled and is based on the scripture from 1 Timothy, I know whom I have believed. And the words go something like this, some of the words, I'm not going to give all of them at this time. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known. Not why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. 
But I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Beautiful song, beautiful words, written by Daniel W. Whittle, 1883. And, of course, it's based on the 12th verse of the first, second chapter of 1 Timothy. And that is my thought for this day. I know whom I have believed. And reading from 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, verse 12, and we'll reference the book of Second Timothy, all of it, or all of the chapters at some point during this presentation. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy... My dearly beloved Son, grace, mercy, and peace from the Father, Jesus, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee. And the reason he couldn't see him is because he was in prison. That is, Paul was. Being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. And then when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother was, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. I'm going to stop there for just a moment, and we'll hold verse 12. Just for a quick summary of the Apostle Paul, for those that may not be fully informed of the life of this great minister. The Apostle Paul was a most well-educated man in the Roman government. And he was a foot soldier with no equal as he served the government, and he served his country. And there was an uprising in his country, and that uprising was being done by Christian people, disciples, followers of Christ. And that is where the word Christian came from, is from the root word and the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And it, at some point, this well, most well-educated man, in his quest to destroy murder, put away the Christians that existed, and as he was on his way to do that, the Lord and the power of God struck him, blinded him, and said from a voice from some point that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And it was at this point that Paul, in his blindness, was stricken to a new way of life. I'm certainly condensing the story. But in his new way of life, Saul was renamed by the Lord Paul. And he was sent on into the city where he was to go blind. But while there he received his sight, and he began his quick training as a worker for the cause of Christ. One of the people that helped him so much in this time was Timothy's mother and grandmother. And in Paul's latter years, as you can tell, he remind he is reminded of what Timothy's family has done for him. But there's been many things that has occurred between this point in time and the end of time for Paul's life. And by the way, the second book of Timothy is the last letter, even though it's not in the New Testament chronologically in that fashion, but it is the last letter that he was to write. We'll have some of his last words in a few minutes. During this time, of course, of his conversion, people really did not trust him at first. After all, they thought maybe this was a cloak and dagger I spy on you type thing. And it was a trick, but of course it was not. And it took Saul, Paul, a little time to get alienated through the Spirit into Christendom himself. And then, as he is penning this letter to Timothy, he is in his last days in prison. Hence, we have the song that Mr. Whittle wrote, I know whom I have believed. The twelfth verse is the inspiration undoubtedly for this song title and the song as it says, for the things which for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It could be 
that someone may not understand how one could have actually suffered the embarrassment or the shame of making a change in their life. And certainly Saul did, to Paul did not do this. But I can remember very vividly at age 15 when I had been a member of gangs, had been a person that was a thief, had been a person that beat up people, people that abused, a person that had abused people in the Chicago area of which I lived, Joliet, Illinois. I remember when I made my conversion to the Lord Jesus Christ and he came into my heart. In the very beginning, I was embarrassed to show up with the fellows that I had ran with and had been a part of. My mother actually seen me as I approached the school bus stop the first day. And there was the throne, and I did not know how to handle it, and I separated myself from them. They hollered at me to come over. They called me names, etc., etc. I was actually supposed to do reciprocate, which I did not. And that evening, my mother called me aside and said, Son, you can't do that. You are still in this world. Those people are still your acquaintance, but you are just a different person, and you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. It's, and those words she gave me. And the next day, I began to associate, and I felt the pain of being exposed to people that did not want to accept and would not accept that which I had in my life. There was a difference. However, as time went on, I lived my life. Even though I experienced uh, repercussion, if you please, from the gang members. In fact, one day I was waylaid in the high school that we went to is a big high school, about 4,500 people. What's the size of the student body? And uh, that's pretty good size by even today's standards, I think. And in this particular day, about six guys grabbed me and threw me into a stairwell of, a, of the school. It was a four-story school, so... Somewhere in there, there was a place that they could grab me, and they did. And they began to twist my arms, and they took out a cigarette lighter and began to burn different parts of my body. And finally, I was able to get one arm free, and to the delight of everyone listening, I knocked one of them to the floor, and he yelled, well... Such was the end of that type of torment, but it happened as a newborn child of God, making the transition from Saul to Paul. And as Paul said, even though I suffered these things in that transition, verse 12, he says, I am not ashamed. And I will tell you that from 
the time that my mother gave me the talk, I never did act ashamed from that time on. It wasn't too long after my conversion that the Lord had called me into the ministry and I was known as the teenage preacher in the high school, Joliet Township High School, Joliet, Illinois. And it wasn't long after that I began to take classes wherein I would give speeches and try to uh, be a person that I had never been. As a matter of fact, in one of my classes, kind of sheepishly I say this, but I was kind of the teacher's pet. Always set work she did. It was her idea. It was in the back of the room, thank goodness. Because I gave the best speeches, and she saved me for the best occasions to give those speeches. Well, so much for being a teacher's pet. I'm just Joanne's pet now. <laughs> As Paul said, wherein I suffered these things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I am persuaded that he is to able to keep me that which I have committed unto him that day. And Mr. Widow wrote the words, first verse, for I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, not why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own, but I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. As we think about our change from the world, or if you haven't made that change in your life, and you begin to think about it, I want you to know that it is a change that is against that day. That is the day when the Lord shall return. It is a change that says that I am not going to be found guilty on that day. That is the day that the Lord returns. It is a change on, for that day that says, I do not worry or am concerned of what the family, the social media, the neighborhood, the community, all around me says, I have committed myself. I'm persuaded. I'm convinced that he is going to walk with me, talk with me, keep me, because I am committing unto him that day. Later in the first chapter of the first, second chapter and the second, second Timothy and the second chapter and verse 13, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. 
Jesus came into this world for the salvation of you, your family, for me, my family. He came into this world for this world. If we believe not, Paul wrote, that it doesn't matter. Jesus still came for that purpose. He cannot deny that he has said, I will be with you. I will walk with you. I will talk with you. I will comfort you. And he cannot deny that I have went to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. He will not be denial of these things. No wonder that Mr. Whittle wrote the words, I know not the saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word that it wrought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed. As we look at that verse 2 of the song, I know whom I have believed, we understand that there is something here that separates you from that which is in the world. The beliefs, the ideologies, the theologies that are out there. As Paul said in, his, in this verse 2, he said, I know, he said, I believe, I believe that is such a key word, such a key phrase, that he abideth faithfully. We do not ever have to have any doubts, for he will not deny himself. As Paul lived in a world that was so cruel and so hard, in which he had been a part of, the Bible says, as he wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, he's describing himself, this is what he was. This is where he came from. A blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I have often thought about some types of evil people. And if you want to just take a small walk, you think about some evil people yourself. Maybe they've been in your life, maybe you read about them. We recently have been exposed to an episode for more than 20 years now of school killings in our grade schools and in our high schools and in our colleges. And we think about innocent young lives that have been taken. We think about how the little children are killed in the array of gunfire as guys go up and down streets and they aim their guns at homes and little children even in bed 
receiving a bullet into their body. And there are so many other types of evils that exist. I, I certainly could spend a long time naming them, and then I probably would not name them all anyway. Paul, as he thought about the fact that he had killed people, moms and dads, he had killed sons and daughters. He had caused ridicule upon God's people, upon Christians. And as he was describing this, I'll revisit verse 13 again. He said, I was a blasphemer and a persecutor, an injurious type individual. But he said, it didn't matter how bad it was, how bad I got, there was Jesus. I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in belief. Well, God did save him through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Mr. Whittle wrote these words in verse 3. I know not how the Spirit moves. As you think about some of the evil things that some people are guilty of, think perhaps of even yourself when you became a child of God that Jesus looked down upon your life. And as you said here this morning, there is someone today that is here that does not have the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of the Spirit of God in his life. I want you to know that there is a loving God, a loving Savior that cares for you. And as he, as the song says, I know not how the Spirit moves. I can't describe it for you. I don't understand it. If, if you were God or if I was God, there were some things that we probably would just destroy or annihilate in some fashion. But the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin and revealing Jesus through the Word, creating a faith in Him as the song Concludes in verse, thir verse 3, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul, no doubt, as he was writing Timothy and getting close to the time that his life was to end in prison, he began to think about some of those things that he had done to other people. And he penned them in his letter to Timothy in this fashion. He said, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, with what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. He realized that he had been paid for the things that he had done. And instead of cursing God and dying, instead of being a person that returned to the life that he had lived, he instead endured the things that he went through as a child of God. And he said to Timothy, 
at the conclusion of verse 11. He said, but the Lord has delivered me. And then he says a word to you, a word to me. Yea, and all that will ill godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. Well, happy day is here. Yes, there are going to be difficult times for children of God in this world. I know we promise joy. We, we talk about peace. We talk about how everything is going to get better. Wake up, world. There is going to be difficult times for the children of God as well. But here's what Paul said to Timothy. That is relayed through the Holy Spirit to us today. But continue thou in the things that you have learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. They did not come from any book except the Word of God book. They did not come from any ideology or any cult movement or any propaganda that the world has promoted, but it comes from the life stream of the Spirit of God as his word speaks to us. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned. No doubt, well, as he wrote these words of, I know whom I have believed. No wonder he could say, as verse 4 records, I know now what of good or ill may be reserved for me, of weary ways or golden days. But before his face I see, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him that day. Well, Paul was soon to reach the end of his life. As he is writing his letter to Timothy, he's asking him to bring him some winter clothes, some books, and asking him to Say hello to certain people. This is in the second division of Timothy, chapters 1 through 4. And as we listen to some of his last words to Timothy that he wrote, as in the second division of Timothy, chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, he said to Timothy, I want you to know I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. What a promise you have. What a promise I have. What a hope we have. What a deliverance from this thing of this world as we go through the last days of this world. And Mr. Whittle wrote these words in 1883. He said, I know not when my Lord may come, at night or noonday fair, not if I'll walk the veil with him or meet him 
in the air. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able, say it with me, to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Praise be unto the Lord. I know whom I have believed. Would you stand with me? And as we come to the close of the service today, I would like for just any person in this room who feels like that they need to renew that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, I just want to, in a prayerful way, pray that God will help you find that place so that as you leave here today, that which you have committed unto the Lord, you know whom you will believe against that day. Let it not fail. Shall we all pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, we're loving you and thanking you, Lord, for your love to us. But what we can do, Lord, is put our hand in your hand and know that everything will be all right. Lord, today, if there is a person here today who needs to make a change in their life, who needs to do something different to amend their ways, I pray, Lord, right now in this time of prayer and solitude that one will commit themselves unto the Lord. Commit themselves unto you, Lord. Commit their ways unto you, their thoughts unto you, knowing, Lord, that you are the one that we are wanting to walk with, wanting to talk with, want beside us as we go through the trials and tribulations. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, I'm looking to you, Lord, needing your help. And Lord, desire and help for everyone that is here today. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. My, my closing words this morning, indeed, if they are closing, I want everyone in this room today and everyone that you know, everyone that you love, everyone that you care about, I do not want anybody to be without the assurance of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. I do not want to scare, I don't want to dramatize anything in any way, except I want you to look to Jesus and have Jesus abiding within. I would love to be able to sing this song, but the good Lord has taught me with just enough sense that I don't even try it. So I read it to you. And let us say together, I know not when my Lord may come, but don't change the screen on me. Leave it right there.
I know not when my Lord may come, at night or noonday fair, not if I walk the veil with him or meet him in the air together. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Thank <laughs> you.